This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We've been talking about horizontal and we're going to talk a wee bit about horizontal and, uh, and a little bit about vertical. And we know that that's the cross, you know, the, where the Bible says vertical, that vertical part of the cross reminds us the great commands to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then the vertical part reminds us to love our neighbor as ourself. So uh, let me just share a couple of thoughts here. Um, and, and along vertical, I also want to talk about um, now. Is now an important word to you? It is? It seems like we're about split. Like, these guys, now is important. These guys, like, not now, you know. But now is a very important word. It really is. Um, You know, because there are certain things that you put off, it can cause trouble, you know. What happens if you put off putting gas in your car? Have you ever done that? I don't have time to do it tonight. I'll do it in the morning. And you run out on the way to work. Have have you ever seen something someone has for free or they're going to sell it and it's in their yard there and you go, I got to stop and get that tomorrow. That's exactly what I've been looking for. And oh, that's wonderful. And when you get there tomorrow, guess what? It's gone. So if you want it, you got to get it when? Now. (laughs) You do. What I was reading about this guy is a farm boy. And he accidentally overturned his wagon of corn in the road. And the farmer who lived nearby came to investigate. Hey, Willis, he called out. Forget your troubles first, fell, And come on in and have dinner with us. Dinner's ready. And then I'll help you get the wagon up and the corn put back in. That's mighty nice of you, Willis said. But I don't think Paul would like me to do that. Oh, come on, son, the farmer insisted. Well, okay, the boy finally agreed, but Paul won't like it. And after a hearty dinner, Willis thanked his host and says, I do feel a lot better now, but I just know Paul is going to be real upset. Don't be foolish, exclaimed the neighbor. And he says, well, by the way, where is your pa? He's under the wagon. (laughs) So there's certain things that you should not procrastinate about. You know what I'm talking about, you know. And Susan, uh, she came up with a word in the last few months. We were talking about things, and she was talking about a procrastinature. There's some people who just have that procrastinature. And I think she invented the word anyhow. But, you know, procrastination is something that some people do really good. They procrastinate, you know. Why do today what you can put off until tomorrow? And you never quite catch up with tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about? The word procrastination, it means to postpone, to put off, to defer action, to delay, especially out of habitual carelessness or laziness. Just, let's just put that off. Until the opportunity is lost, you know, and it's no longer available. Now, we face procrastination at each level of discipleship in our relationship to Christ. You know, there's always a next step in our spiritual growth and our our maturity as a believer. There's always a next step, always a next step. And it's easy to put those things off. A simple act of obedience of just saying yes to Almighty God, surrendering our lives to Him, and another area of our life. Just because we surrendered one area don't mean that we're totally surrendered. There's other areas that we've kind of held back, you know, from surrendering to God. Um, Here's another passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. That's pretty good advice, don't you think? 
Don't live like fools here. Let me, let me read another passage and we'll come back to that. In Psalms 14, verse 1, it says, Only fools, only fools say in their heart, there is no God. And they live like there is no God. They live like there's not a God who can help them or God who answer their prayers. Or they live like there's no God to give account to one day. And the Bible says, only fools say there is no God. So if, if you know somebody who says it, there is no God, well, the Bible declares a name for them. And I'm not recommending that you use that name to them either, you know. Anyhow, going back to Ephesians 5.15, it says, So be careful how you live and don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Verse 16 says, make the most of every opportunity. 100% of the opportunities that comes our way, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And we do live in some pretty evil days and times right now. Don't take you long. If you were to look on the news, you know, that you'll see all kinds of crazy things going on in our world. But it says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, and we should redeem our time now and use it wisely. He goes on to say in verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And then you do it today. Once you understand what the Lord wants you to do, you do it today. You you do it now. And the way we understand what the Lord wants us to do, he's given us this fantastic book that helps us to learn his ways. And I'll tell you, they're life-changing. Everything in God's word is 100% accurate and 100% true for the man or the woman who accesses that and puts into operation the conditions on all the things he tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, let love be your highest goal. There's not a higher goal on this planet than to love God and then to love your neighbor. To love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, you know, your, your, your strength. To love him with all that you are and then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's just the way it is. And when do you think we should start loving God and loving our neighbor? Now. Not tomorrow. Because tomorrow is very elusive. We never quite catch up to tomorrow. John chapter 4 verse 34 says, and then Jesus explained. He said, my nourishment, my, my uh, food, my sustenance, my, my nutrition... Jesus explains that my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. That's what nourishes me. That's what strengthens me. That's the food that, that I take in, and that's doing the will of God. Not just talking about it, but actually doing it. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. And I do it now. Just do it now. Just do it now. To love him now. To love my neighbor now and not put it off. Now you know that love is a verb. Love is a verb. It's, it's the action word of a sentence. And uh, there's these other action words that you're probably familiar with. But you probably never thought of love being associated with these words. These words that are action words are like run, climb, walk, fight, give, drive, eat, swim, work, love. Love is just as much an action word as all those other words are. One week, a barber noticed that there was a good increase in his business. And when he tried to find out why, <clears throat> he discovered that his competitor, another barber in town, was very sick. And when the week ended, 
He took all that he had made above his average earnings and he carried it to his competitor with words of encouragement. And that was putting his love into action. Now, I I think that's quite unusual in this world. A lot of people are like, hey, well, if you're sick, I'm going to make extra money. Well, good for me. But this guy, he put his love into action. And everything he made above his normal intake for the week, he gave it to the guy who was sick, who couldn't do his work that week. Does that seem normal to you? It's it's more of a supernatural thing when people see their love (coughs) as a verb and they put it into action, and we should do likewise. There was a class of little girls were learning to spell, (coughs) and they spelled a number of small words such as pig, P-I-G, cat, C-A-T, dog, D-O-G, cow, C-O-W, and amuse themselves by imitating the sounds that these animals make. Then little Mary was asked to spell love. She didn't stop to give the letters, but she ran and threw her arms around her teacher's neck, and she kissed her on the cheek. We spell love that way at our house. The girls all laughed, but the teacher said, that is a beautiful way to spell love. But do you know another way to spell love? Oh, yes, cried Mary. I spell love this way. And she began to put the books in order on her teacher's desk. I spell love by helping everybody when they need me. What a wonderful way of spelling love. Because love... Is an action word. It's not just some feeling or some emotion, but it's an action word. So let's begin to demonstrate such love. And we could probably wait until now to start. We start now. That's important that we apply the things that we learn. We apply those things now. Hosea. Chapter 10, verse 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, I said, God speaking to us, plant the good seeds of righteousness. I mean, those righteous seeds are, are seeds that please God, you know? Being in the right relationship with him and all the promises and things that he has given us and guidance and all. But he says, I I said, plant the seed, the good seeds of righteousness. <laughs> good seeds will germinate. Good seeds will grow and produce good fruit. So God says, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Hmm. For now... <clears throat> Today, I'm talking about immediately, instantly, pronto, for now is the time to seek the Lord, to search diligently for the Lord, to long for him in our lives, that he may come and shower righteousness, his gift of salvation upon you. Now it's the time to seek him. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now is time to seek the Lord. Plant good seeds of righteousness. Have you ever done any planting? Is anybody getting excited about this time of the year? Doing a little bit of gardening? Maybe some vegetables? Maybe some flowers and things like that? Well, I have. I've been doing some. And uh, this here is uh, what they call a wheel hoe. And uh, I have a garden, Susan and I have a garden, and we, we uh, were blessed by it last year. It just provided so much for us, you know. And what's on here right now, that's not a plow. That's a little thing. My, my garden is, is green right now. 
and we have a row of collard greens that amazing came up through the snow and spinach came up through the snow and it's just doing fantastic and some lettuce it's called arugula it all came up through the snow but all the other stuff except the jerusalem artichokes they're there as well um i took this out there i only had about 20 25 minutes but i took this and went down between the rows and over top of them and these things here are sharp and guess what they did they just dug down under all the weeds and threw them off to the side, and I raked them up. It's like, wow. And then there's these other little gadgets. Here's another one that helps you to cut down a different kind of a weed. And there's these things. This is the plow right here. And you bolt them on in that place there, and it plows a nice big old... Uh, area uh, a furrow there I was holding them wrong and then you come back and then you reverse them and then it covers it over and, and you planted stuff and and when the bible says to plow up the hard ground of your heart have you ever noticed there's some hard ground in your heart yes thank you because hard ground will not let us acknowledge it. You know, I don't have no hard ground in my heart. You know, it's like we would never acknowledge that. You know, but, but we all have some areas that needs to be plowed up. Genuinely needs to be plowed up. And it says here in Hosea ten twelve, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Why? For now is the time to seek God. And the hard ground of our heart will not allow us to seek him. Listen to what it says here in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. In the uh, Amplified Bible it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed. God won't. Nor treated with contempt. He won't allow himself to be treated with disrespect. That's what contempt means. Disrespect and hatred God will not allow himself to be ridiculed or treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, now what does sow mean? To plant. For whatever a man sows, this and this only is what he will reap. So if, if I go out, which I did the other day, I planted some blackberry bushes that my brother sent me. When I had some relatives come up for a visit, he sent me some blackberry bushes. Not that he bought, he just dug them up out there in the field beside his house because we had tons of blackberry bushes that I grew up with, you know. So he sent me some. And I planted them blackberry bushes the other day, and the next morning it was 30 degrees, you know. So I'm, I'm going to believe that they're okay, you know. But have you ever planted a, 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 a berry bush of any kind? Did you ever get bananas from it? <laughs> wonder why. Has anybody here ever planted tomatoes? Did you get watermelons? I mean, can't you just plant any old seed and whatever you're thinking about is going to come up? That's not what the Bible says. And we plant seeds, whether it's fruit or vegetable or whether it's just actions we're planting all the time and it says here Galatians 6 7 it says for whatever a man sows this and this only is what he will reap now let me read it to you again out of the message bible Galatians 6 7 and 8 it says don't be misled no one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvest a crop of what? And I brought a few of those in here. Here's a bunch of weeds. As you can find in almost anybody's garden, 
if you want to just rip them out of the ground. And he says that if we plant selfishness, here is our crop. If you're selfish and you ignore God or you try to make fun of God, that's what you're going to reap. 100% guaranteed. He says if you plant selfishness, you're going to reap weeds. That's what, that's just, there's no way around that. Let me read it again. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvest a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, you, you learn God's ways. You, you plant this action word, this verb, love. Letting God's spirit do the growth work in him. Harvest a crop of real life. Eternal life. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to reap whatever we sow. And the Bible says what you sow, that and that only is what's going to come up. You can't plant bad actions and, and mean words and selfish kinds of things and expect good things to happen. Can't do it. Oh, you might do it, but it ain't going to happen. You plant tomatoes, you know tomatoes is going to come up. You plant green beans, you know green beans is going to come up. You know, that's just the way it is. You plant briars, you know, thorns, you're going to get briars and thorns, you know. So our hearts become hard, and that's what the scripture, we already read it, plow up the hard ground of your hearts. And the King James says, plow up that fallow ground. It's talking about ground that has already been plowed up and cultivated and everything, but it wasn't ever planted. It was just plowed up and cultivated. It's ready for planting, but no one ever planted it. And years go by. What happens to a garden that's prepared and nobody ever plants it? The weeds take it over. And not only weeds, uh, <clears throat> Miracle and Kyle helped me deal with my garden last year. Because I hadn't had a garden in a few years. And not only weeds, them weeds that we thought was weeds was actually trees. And it took us, I don't know how many days it was now, but we had to pull the trees up and use a chainsaw and all because it had light idle. It was fallow ground. We hadn't done anything with it for a while. And I wonder if that's the condition sometimes of our heart, you know, but letting sin remain and neglecting our relationship with God is like letting weeds remain and neglecting our garden will end up, the garden will be taken over, you know, and you can't do anything with it until you plow it up again, you know. And not only is there weeds, but then when you do begin to plant it, there's, you ever had bugs in your garden? You ever had these little green cabbage worms or these other little boars that get in your squash and it, you get the blossom and then it bores down there in the stem and you're, we've, we've planted two rows of squash. Now, how many squash plants does one family need? Probably about two plants. We got one meal of squash. Because these squash borers would get in there and they killed every squash in our yard. But I didn't figure out how to deal with them rascals. I have in a very organic way, you know. And I'm not going to tell them what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. You know, and we have lots of squash this year. And me and my brother have been gardening together last year. And we've been really working at it this year. And he lives a thousand miles away. But for cell phone that takes pictures and videos, you could garden together, you know? And it's fantastic. And we're, we're learning how to deal with weeds. Oh, man, you can deal with weeds. Let me see, what was that word? I want to remember that word. What was that word on dealing with your weeds there? Uh, oh, you can be proactive or reactive. Now, Susan and I, Susan likes to weed, or at least she did until last year, you know, and uh, because I just watered the whole garden and fertilized it with a very good kind of a fertilizer, the whole garden, and the weeds said, thank you, you know, they really did, and they were 
growing prolific. And there's, there's a day, I, I bet you, and I'm not exaggerating, I bet you we, we poured 150 pounds of weeds in one day. Am I exaggerating? She's shaking her, You can't hear her talk with her mask on, but she's saying, I'm not exaggerating. We had more weeds than you can imagine. And lots of times we see these little old weeds there, but who can get down on their hands and knees with a microscope, you know, or magnifying glass? Oh, there's one there. Pull them out. You let them get big so they got handles on them so you can pull out the weeds. But they also got big roots, and you'll never get all of them out. But if you're proactive, what you can do, this thing right here, and I have a couple other devices, three other devices that you can just go through the garden with. It just disturbs the weeds. It turns them over. The sun kills them. And then this thing right here will heal your potatoes and all. It'll throw dirt left and right. But you don't have to spend but probably a half an hour for a week in weeding, and you weed by just walking down your row. Because there's things that get in your garden. You say, well, Pastor Ron, we didn't come to church to learn about gardening. Well, I've got to tell you that our heart and our head is soil that grows things. And weeds get in here. And rocks get in here. And insects and disease gets in here on a spiritual level. And we need to deal with them properly. We genuinely do. So, <clears throat> remember over here where it says, the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. You know, we, we expose ourselves to the washing of the water of the word. You, you know your garden needs water, right? It needs water. It genuinely does, or it's just not going to grow, you know. And, and water will soften the soil as well. But let me tell you another secret I found out about gardening. And I can't wait to share all this information with you once I put it all to the test. But I had deep furrows in my garden, you know, high rows and all. And then I would water between each one of the, the rows. And it's like a little mountain there. And I would water it all. And I was watering all the weeds and everything. But I found a system. And it's called an irrigation system and it takes about an hour to put it up and you got all these little attachments and this little pressure gauge and things like that and you put this main line down in the front of your garden and then you take these little flat lines that has a little uh, hole in it that's covered with a little pressure thing uh, and you roll it out and, and you plant it about three to four inches under the ground in your garden. And then you cover it over. And you just, you just take this and put the plow on there. You plow a long fur there. And then you put this drip tape in there. Then you cover it over, you know. And then when you get ready to plant your seeds, you plant your seeds right on top of the tape, you know. And the way you, well, how do you know where, where it's at now, you know. Well, you, you turn your water on. And wherever that little uh, drip hole is at, the ground gets moist. And there's one every foot. And when it gets moist, it meets the one over here that gets moist. So the whole row gets moisture in it. Fantastic concept. And you only water what's in the rows. You don't water where the weeds are living. Thank the Lord, you know. And you also have this little gallon container attached up there. And whether you make your own or you buy an uh, organic version or whatever you want, you put your fertilizer in it and you turn it on. And you send, because my brother's soil is a little bit nutrient deficient. But it don't matter, really, because he can send the nutrients right to the roots of his plants. 
along with water. If it rains a lot, you just don't water as much. If it don't rain at all during drought, your plants don't know there's a drought because you turn it on for just a little bit and you water all the roots of your plants. It's just kind of a phenomenal thing. And the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word. His word is like water. And we know we all need water. Does anybody know how long you can live without water? Three days. That's what they tell you. Yeah, somebody might make it four. You know, somebody might be alive for six days, but they're not coherent, you know. But you need water. And one of the first evidences that you're getting dehydrated is a headache. That just always happens. And we need water to live. We have to, and our plants need water. And we need the washing of the water of the word to live and to survive and to thrive. That's what we need, you know. And we don't want to fertilize and water the weeds, do you? No, you want to break up those things, pull them rascals out and burn them if you can, you know. Well, listen to what it says here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living. It's alive. This book is the only book that is alive and it genuinely changes a man or a woman who applies it to their life. And it says here, for the word of God is living and active and full of power. Water is alive and water is active. I mean, you, you see it generates electricity. It's alive. It's powerful. Water, they build a dam, and the water creates power. Well, God's word is more powerful than that electricity that's being created from, from water. But it says, for the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. And God's word is operative, energizing, and effective. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible is sharper than a two-edged sword, and that's what a plow is. A plow usually has two sharp edges, like a sword that has a sharp edge on either side. And we use that plow, you know, to, to plant seeds in your heart. My Bible says, you know, your word have I hidden in my heart that I'll not sin against you. Because when I start sinning against God, weeds start taking over. When I start sinning against God, I end up getting a hard heart, a rocky old heart, you know. When I sin against God, I, I need some help. I need to break up that old hard heart. That's what the Bible tells us to do. So it goes on to say, it is sharper, God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the divisions of the soul and spirit the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow, the deepest part of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word, it changes us. Water changes a garden. And, and I, I, I plan never to water a weed again. That's my plan, Okay. And I'm figuring out how to get closer to accomplishing that. I really do. And I'll keep you posted throughout the, the rest of the summer. Let you know how things are working there. Listen to what it says here. It says, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29 says, Does not my word burn like fire? Not only is it like a plow. Not only is it like water. He says, Does not my word burn like fire? And, uh, you know, lots of times that's what happens to the weeds. You burn them, right? When we were in Bible school, we lived out in the country, and we lived beside a wheat field. And once they harvested their wheat, then they got rid of all the chaff. And they had a pickup truck and had a big long chain on it. And on the end of that chain was a great big old ball of something that was lit. It's this great big old ball of fire. They drove it up and down, up and down, all across the field. And it was nighttime. And it's probably the time when we experienced the closest thing that I could imagine looked like hell. It was just rip-roaring, burning for probably about a half an hour. And it looked like it was coming toward our house. You know, it's kind of scary out there. 
But God's word is like a burning fire. It'll burn up the chaff. And also, do you know what a fire will do? They put fire under this big old vat of gold or silver, and it turns it liquid. And all the dross, all the impurities in that gold or that silver will come right to the surface, and they'll skim it off. And now the value of that gold and silver is much higher because it's pure without impurities in there. Well, God's word is like fire that'll burn up the chaff, burn up the weeds, and it'll bring the impurities out of our life. If we want those impurities taken out of our life, you know? And it says, does not my word burn like fire? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? He says his word is like a hammer. He says his word is like a mighty hammer that smashes rocks to pieces. And I meant to, to bring a big old hammer and some rocks to smash them to pieces, but I forgot to bring them. But you can imagine that the Bible is like a hammer. And that old hard heart, I do have a rock over here, but I just didn't bring the hammer. And you get some big old rocks, not just dirt claws, but you get some real rocks in your garden of your heart or in your garden at home. And you got to dig them rascals out there or break them up. And God's word deals with the hardness of heart. If it's a dirt clod or if it's a big old rock in there, God's word will bring about a change. It really will and make your lives a whole lot more fruitful than you ever knew could be. It says in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, we've already read this, but it says, I said, God said, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, (laughs) you know, And uh, I brought a package of seeds with me here this morning, right here. This is a package of seeds. And God's word that I hide in my heart, so I'll not sin against him. God's word we hide in our heart, it brings great productivity. It helps us to fall in love with him over and over and over again. There are so many seeds here that will change your life for the good. Now, is there bad seeds out here in this world? through the television and the internet and everywhere you look, if you're looking for bad seeds, you can find them. But we need to take God's word that is sharper than a two-edged sword and we need to dig them up. We, we need to, to burn the weeds and all those things that come up into our life because they will not produce fruit. That They will not produce fruit. They'll just destroy. They'll take our strength, our energy, the nutrients in our life and make them of none effect except producing more weeds and so forth and so on. So it says here, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. And that's an action word. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. And I wonder when we should do that. Probably maybe around Christmas. We should plow now. The, the hard heart that's in us. And there's probably some hard areas in all of our hearts. And we need to plow it up. And some of them are just so hard because they've been there for so long, it, it needs a hammer of God's word. And, and we burn them, you know. And, and uh, it, just like the silver and the gold, the heat of God's word causes the impurities to come to surface so you can skim it off. That's what I'm talking about. Anyhow... He says here in John chapter 4, verse 23, but the time is coming, it's coming. The time is coming, indeed it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That's that's when the the tongue of our shoes is going to get in alignment with the tongue of our mouth. This didn't really work so good last night either. But let me explain it to you. That means what I'm saying and my actions is going to line up. If I say I'm going to do something, my feet, the tongue, I know we got shoes without tongues in them no more, so it's hard to understand this little analogy, I'm sure. But when our actions get in line with what we're saying, and what we're saying is what we've read in God's word, you know, 
But it says on down here in John 4, 23, it says the father is looking for those who will worship him that way in spirit and in truth. Not just singing music, listening to music, singing words, but these words become worship. It's it's real worship. We're communicating with God. This is that vertical thing of loving him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, all of our strength. We're loving him with everything that is within us. That's what I'm talking about. We're putting him first in all these areas of our life. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Does that mean there's a time going to come when you can't find him? That is absolutely true. It says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now. That is today, instantly, right now. You know, pronto, call on him now while he's near. And he's near right now. There's a lot of people looking for God with all the craziness that's going on in our world. They're looking for God. And I will promise you this. If you're looking for God, he will reveal himself to you. Because he wants you to find him genuinely. He really does. Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, but now is the time. Now. Now is the time to get rid of anger. Anger can be weeds. Anger may be stones or hard areas of your heart. Now is the time to get rid of anger. Rage. Malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now's the time to get rid of that stuff. Now's the time for me to get rid of the weeds in my garden, the rocks in my garden, the thorns in my garden. Now's the time that I can treat my soil and get rid of all the pests. Now's the time to do it. Now, today, is the best time to do it. Not wait until the fall of the year, you know, when it's already had its consequences, but now's the time. Have you ever been unrighteously angry? You ever said things that you regretted? Yes. That, but now's the time. Get rid of all that. Get rid of the anger. The Bible says the anger abides in the bosom of a fool. That's what it says. So we say, well, I'm, 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 it's just the way I, I'm just angry. Well, I wouldn't brag about being a fool myself. You know, I, I wouldn't brag about that, you know. I'm a person given to anger. It's like, it's like, hey, I got some of the best weeds in my garden. Y'all should come and see my weeds. I don't think that's something we should brag about. We should deal with it. We should get rid of it. With that sharp two-edged sword, which is like a plow that cuts those things down, digs those things up so we can deal with them. Listen to what it says in James chapter 1, verse 21. It says, so get rid of, what's that word? What percentage is that word all? 100%. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Do you want to get rid of all the filth in your life? Three of you do. Okay. Well, let me just, I I, I understand and I'll just illustrate this the best way I know how. Uh, We have a dog, his name's Tracker. And I'll take Tracker out, down, have a little special spot. I just have him, go do your business. And he does his business there 98% of the time. You know, really good about doing that. Have you ever stepped in dog manure? Anybody ever done that here? It's not something you want to brag about, right? But is it okay if you get 50% of it off your foot? Okay, 75%. Is that okay? Why? Because it's going to smell like it's all still there, isn't it? If you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. And I know you say, this is disgusting. I agree with you. It is pretty disgusting. But the Bible says, get rid of all the filth. Get rid of, and if I can't get rid of it, I'm going to throw the shoe away. Get rid of all the filth and get rid of all the sin. Get rid of all the weeds. Get rid of all the rocks. Get rid of all those bugs that devour and lay eggs on your plants and destroys your productivity. Get rid of it all. 
so you can produce wonderful, fantastic vegetables and fruit in your garden. And so you can produce wonderful righteousness in your life. Let's get rid of all the filth. And you go, well, I got, you know, I only have a, a couple of areas that I haven't really given over to God. It's like, I only have about half of my shoe that's still got dog manure on it, but it don't bother nobody. Is it okay if after I've stepped in my dog's manure and if I clean half of it off, can I come to your house? <laughs> not with my shoes on anyhow, right? Because not only does it bother us, but other people recognize the filth in our life. Did you know that? They, they can recognize it just as well. And he says here, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And he tells us how to do it. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Because it's the washing of the water of the word. It washes us and it cleanses us. Genuinely, it does, you know. And it, it breaks up our fallow ground. And it, it enables us to be clean and be free of the weeds that just sap the life out of our vegetables, you know, and, and all the pests, the insects that devour our crop. Get rid of those things by God's word. It's like a hammer. It's like a fire. It's like the washing of the water of the word. It's like a sword, a double-edged sword. God's word is alive and it's powerful and it changes us if we hide it in our hearts. This is what it says here in John 15, verse 3. It says, now you're clean through the word. Now you're, 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 you're clean. Your heart is clean. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So it says, Jesus, we're clean. His word cleanses us. And we want to be clean, you know, like the fire, like the, the hammer, like the sword, like the water, like a, a light, you know. And let's just get in a line, in agreement with God's word. And it says in James chapter 1, verse 21b, it says, For he has power to save your soul. Now let me read the first part of that verse. In James, if I can find it here, James chapter 1, verse 2. It's somewhere in the Bible. I'm sure it is here somewhere. Mm-hmm. I must have lost that page there. Well, James chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For it has the power to save your soul. The first part of the verse says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. This, God's word, it produces faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. It has the power to save your souls. First John chapter 5, verse 21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything. Now, what percentage is the word anything? Dear children, keep away from anything, 100% of things that might take God's place in your hearts. Is there really things in this world that could take God's place in our life? Well, if you could help me here, this may not be uh, relevant to you, but if you could help me think of some of the things that could take God's place in a person's life. What are some of those things? Money? Anger, sports, fishing. fishing. Who said fishing? I'm gonna tell you. I'm a southern boy. There's guys, you know, in hunting season, they kiss their wife and say, "I'll see you at the end of the season, honey." And when fishing season comes in, they do the same thing because they take that very important. And I, you say I'm teasing, but I'm not. A lot of marriage problems in the South is because of hunting and fishing. So he can take the place of your wife. But there are these things just like that, and I appreciate you bringing it out. It can take the place of God. You can be addicted to anything, can't you? You can put anything ahead of 
your family, or you can put anything ahead of God. Like, this is more important to me than having time with God. You know? That's just the truth of it. But the Bible says, it's pretty amazing that it, it tells us that. First John 5.21, Dear children, so I'm not God speaking to his children. Dear children, keep away from anything. Keep away from 100% of the things that might take God's place in your hearts. Wow. Think about that. Let me go back to Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. It says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest the crop of love and plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Plow up that which can take the place of God in your, your life. Plow it up and dig it out and burn the weeds of it. Pile the rocks out somewhere. Take a hammer and break them into little pieces if you need to. That's what he's telling us here. You know, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And I would ask you right now, you don't have to tell another living soul, but are there some things that you know, well, it's possible that, that could actually put God in second place? Because I really enjoy that. I, I really like that. And uh, yeah, that, I could put God in second place. Just so you know, God don't take second place. Did, did you know that? He, he does not accept second place. You know, so we put him in second place. Well, you, you'll be aware of him very little in your life. Anyhow, listen to what it says here in Matthew six thirty three. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Now, what percentage is all? Seek the kingdom of God above 100% of anything else. Put him first. Seek him first. He is number one in our life. And I'll tell you, you will never regret putting God first because all the other things that you think would bring fulfillment in your life, in this vertical relationship, when you put him first and his kingdom first, he's going to take good, awesome, fantastic, wonderful care of you your whole life long. That's what he promises to do. And in Psalms 42, verse 1, it says, As the deer longs for streams of water, a deer out there, and he's running around, running from the coyotes and whatever else out there, and he's longing for, oh, that cool stream of water. It says, as the deer longs for streams of water, the psalmist said, so I long for you, O God. I long, I thirst for you, O God. Verse 2 says, I thirst for, I crave God. I crave the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Can you understand craving and thirsting for God in a way like that? It's just like you're in a desert and you haven't had anything to drink and you're, you're, you're going to die if you don't get some water to drink and you crave it. Nothing else is important but getting some water. Have you ever felt the same way about God? I just want all the God I can get in my life. I just, I, 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 I'm thirsty for God. I, I crave more of God in my life. You can have as much of God as you want, genuinely. That's what the Bible tells us, you know, and, and you don't miss out on anything promise you, you don't miss out on anything by putting God first in your life. That's just what he tells us here. He says that in the latter part of Matthew six thirty three, and you live righteously. The first part of Matthew 6, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, honorably, and he will give you everything you need, 100%. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 says, yes, everything, 100%. Yes, everything else is worthless. Anything else that can take God's place in my life, it's worthless. Everything else is a weed, is a rock, is a pest that destroys my garden. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and worshiping him. For his sake, I have discarded everything 100% of everything else that is trying to get first place in my life. He says that right here. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all, 100% of it, as garbage. You know, there's no comparison to the value. 
When something's trying to take first place in my life other than God, that's garbage. It's weeds. It's rocks. It's pests. It's going to try to destroy the fruitfulness of my life, you know? So he says, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And now is the time to gain Christ. Now is the time to put Jesus first in your life and become one with him. Having a Christ-centered relationship where me and God get so close together. Did you know you can have as much of Christ as you want? Just two or three years ago, I began to talk to God, and I know you've heard me saying it. I used to just call, you know, God the Father. I just call him Father. But I I learned as I'm reading the scriptures when it talks about Abba, Father. That's like Daddy. It's like Papa, you know. And I use that term because I've gotten closer to God. And I've gotten to know him better. And he's revealing more of himself to me. And he comes to our aid and he helps us in times of need. Does he help us? Beyond a shadow of a doubt. And probably most of you can testify, yes. And I just want more of God than I have right now. I just want more of him. And one day, I'm going to kick off my shoes and I'm going to slide down them streets of gold. And I'm going to see him face to face. But it's not that I'm not going to know who he is because I'm getting to know him better every day of my life. And I don't want anything to come between me and God. I don't want anything to push God out of number one place in my life. I want him number one in my life. And, and if you got God, then you got everything on the planet because he owns it all and he creates it all. When you got God, you just got it all. Joshua chapter 18 verse 3 says, <clears throat> Then Joshua asked them, How long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, had given to you. There was, people had been given land by God and they didn't take possession of it. How long are we going to wait before we take possession of this rich relationship with God that we can have right now? So, well, I know if I'm going to have God as in this rich relationship, I've got to get rid of the weeds in my garden. I think it's a pretty good deal. Get rid of the weeds and get more productive fruit in the garden, a greater harvest. Well, if I'm going to get closer to God, I'm going to have to get rid of some of them rocks and the hardness of my heart, the anger and the bitterness is in me. Pretty good deal, I think. Get rid of those things that's hurting us just to have more God in your life, more love, more power, more of you in my life. Oh, Lord, that, that's what I want, anyhow. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Look, this is Jesus talking. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in. That's what Jesus said. And he's knocking at the door of your heart. Can you, can you hear him? You ever feel God's like, I'd like to spend some time with you. I want to teach you some things in, in my word. And it might just be you might learn something here today that God's been wanting to teach you about getting rid of some hard areas of your heart, you know? And, and, and it's just like, you know what? I think every man, woman, boy, and girl who does any gardening wants the best garden they can get. And, and I think we want to keep our heart as the best garden that we can have between us and almighty God. He says he's standing, he's knocking. If you hear him, if you open the door, he says, I'm going to come in. You know, I just want to know God better. It's so important to to realize that this is possible. It is. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. So where can we get some? Do they have it at Walmart? Can we go buy like a six-pack of faith down there, you know? Or maybe a five-pound bag of faith? It says right here in Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing God's word. You hear God's word, and there's something that's like inside that's going like, Yeah, yeah, that's true. I believe that. Yeah, I want that in my life, you know? And it says it here, 
In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. You just got to believe that he exists if, if you want to come to him and believe that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You need a belief because it is the truth. It's like, yeah, I want more God in my life and I believe he will reward me for putting him first in my life. That is true, 100%. You can just have as much of God as you want. You really can. It's up to you. It's, it's our decision. And we can just get rid of all them weeds, this, that plow, like that sharp two-edged sword. We'll just throw all them weeds right out. It really does. I'm impressed that this thing actually works. I'm surprised, but it don't surprise me no more that that sharp two-edged sword of God's word, it helps get rid of the weeds in our life and keep them out and waters us at the root. Not waters all the weeds, but waters us at the, your word. Have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God? I don't have to let weeds in no more. I don't have to let rots and pests and all in anymore. He says here, Ephesians 3, 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can, what's that word to say? We can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of what Christ has done and our faith in him, we can boldly not tempt, well, I don't know if you, God, do you mind if I come in? I got something to ask you. We can boldly and confidently, we can come, now we can, come into God's presence. And God's presence changes us. Last verse I want to read you, Hebrews 10, 36, it says, Patient endurance Are y'all very patient? You're not answering, so I must mean no, I reckon. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Continue to do God's will. Continue to pull out the weeds. Continue to water your heart and your spirit with his word. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will, and then you will receive, what's that word? What percentage is that word all? Then, if you'll be patient, then you'll continue to do God's will, and then you will receive all that he has promised. And he has promised to provide your needs. He has promised to heal your bodies. He has promised miracle after miracle after miracle right here in this book. But it's hard to believe something that you don't know. You know, I never knew about this irrigation system that takes an hour to put it in my garden. I never knew about all these components in this bucket right here that I can put on to this little thing and I hardly ever need to use a mechanical gas-driven garden tiller anymore. And it's like most of the weeds will never be in my garden. I never knew that. But I know it now, and I'm putting it to the test. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will, and then you will receive all that he has promised. And that's just the truth of it. I'd like to pray for you before we go. So if you'd bow your heads with me, and dear, would you pop up here with me for just a moment? First thing I'd like to do is just us to uh, declare in our heart that we do put Christ first in our life as Savior and Lord over all. So if, if you know him already, would you reaffirm your faith in Christ? And if you don't know him yet, but you surely want to, you want to get rid of all the weeds in your heart and all the hard places in your heart, and you want to have a soft heart, a watered heart, a fruitful heart, and you want a close relationship with God, I'm just going to ask you to join me as we pray. It's a simple process. It's not complicated to invite Christ into your life. So would you join me right now? Those of you here, those at home, would you pray with me? And I, I challenge you to pray out loud as we welcome Christ into our life or declare that he's already there. Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. 
I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. I believe that he gave his life. I believe that he gave his life. On the cross. On the cross. And he died in our place. And he died in our place. To pay for all of our sins. To pay for all of our sins. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into my life. Into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. Help me, O oh Lord. Help me, O oh Lord. To stay away from the weeds. To stay away from the weeds. And the pest. And the pest. And help me to maintain a soft heart. And help me to maintain a soft heart. Toward you. Toward you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen.